0: Today on The Freedom Cast, Vice President for Public Policy at FreedomWorks Dean Clancy is here. We'll discuss the new hardship exemptions for the individual mandate, Obamacare's many broken promises, and the battle for a post-Obamacare healthcare system. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and this is the March 27th, 2014 edition of The Freedom Cast. joining us now on the Freedom Cast, Vice President for Public Policy here at FreedomWorks, Dean Clancy is back. Dean, thanks for joining me.
1: Great to be here.
0: I want to talk about something uh, that's going around the media that that you debunked and I think it's very interesting. Uh we saw a lot of coverage that the White House had issued a blanket waiver to the individual mandate tax through 2016. It was on Town Hall, it was in the Wall Street Journal, it was it was something that that was fairly pervasive for a little while, but You don't think that's exactly what they said. Tell me why.
1: Yeah, I was uh, surprised by the headlines in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere suggesting that, in effect, the individual mandate was gone uh, because it's the linchpin of Obamacare. Uh, Why would they throw that out? Uh, That's probably the last thing they'll give up on. And, uh, I mean, it's what enabled them to get the insurance companies to the table. And so uh, I was suspicious, so I went and I, I looked at it, and really what they've done is they've said, um, if you lost your insurance policy because of this law, and there are six million Americans uh, that, to whom that has happened, uh, and potentially millions more uh, as the the year uh, wears on, uh, then in your case, we will grant you what's called hardship status. That's a power that the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Kathleen Sebelius, has under the statute. She can declare you uh, in hardship, and uh, based on her own definition, and then uh, you don't have to pay the individual mandate penalty, uh, even though you don't have any insurance. And they basically said, okay, you know, six million people, you lost your insurance, we'll call you hardship cases, you don't have to uh, pay the penalty. They actually had said that Uh, last fall when it became clear that millions of Americans were losing their insurance. Now they've extended it to 2016 and I think it's pretty clear they're doing it for political reasons uh, to get past the 2014 election. Um, They said if you want to keep your plan, if you like your plan you can keep it and that turned out not to be true and that's been the biggest political loser for them in the whole Obamacare debate so far. So to cut their losses they said we'll extend this uh, for a couple more years, and folks got real excited and said, "Aha! The individual mandate is gone." But I don't believe that. And and just to take it down one more layer, excuse me, layer of uh, of policy detail, if I can, um, the hardship thing. You have to go on the HHS website, and there's a checklist of things, and uh, you know, so you got to say, well, you know, I lost my job, or um, you know. Um, Someone died in my family. I forget the whole, whole list of things. I'm unemployed. Um, there is one that's kind of broad. It's sort of like, well, I had trouble obtaining insurance, uh, but you're supposed to provide documentation to prove that you had trouble uh, obtaining absur- insurance. So, so for example, your cancellation letter that would qualify. So, to me, that's certainly a kind of a loophole, but it's it's mostly for people. Uh, already injured by the law, it's not for everybody, and I don't think we should get too excited about it. Uh, let's
0: remind everybody why this portion of the law is so critical. But because we've seen the administration delay different pieces of this time and time again, but why are they uh, unlikely to make significant delays on the individual mandate itself? Why is that so critical?
1: Well, because. Um, they absolutely have to uh, prove that Obamacare was a good idea politically. The the great strength of, the, of Obamacare and its uh, supporters has been the sense that they have noble intentions. Okay, maybe the law has some flaws, maybe it needs to be fixed around the edges, but these people have a good goal which is to get everybody covered with insurance. That's very strong politically and it has really helped them survive Four years of the American people being very skeptical about the policy, about how it was passed, and now how it's being implemented. And the individual mandate, the mandate to purchase insurance, um, really was the linchpin of the whole thing. It's what makes it work, and specifically it's what makes people go into the exchanges and buy that overpriced health insurance that the private insurers have agreed to offer in the exchange with all kinds of government mandates, and regulations and they've got to get about 40 percent of the people in those exchanges they need to be healthy people so that the premiums don't shoot up in the second and subsequent years so right now they're desperate to get bodies, especially healthy people into the exchanges that's why you see all these delays they're trying to make it as easy as possible and create every incentive possible to get people into the exchanges why so that At some point here they can declare victory and say you see it worked it's it's working the people like it it's getting them insurance and that will vindicate their noble intention and and sort of help Americans forget about all of the dark side of this thing and that I think is why they they're never going to give up on the individual mandate
0: you know I've seen a lot of commercials on this lately even if you watch uh, March Madness There are Obamacare commercials and you'll see uh, former NBA stars and and hipsters and and other uh, and and other folks appealing to that young demographic that is watching March Madness saying, look, you may not have health insurance, but you need it. And I'm an NBA star, so I'm telling you. So you've got to listen. Is is that part of this uh, real push? Are, Are they really desperate at this point for young, healthy people to sign up for this?
1: Yes, we know they're desperate because they themselves have released figures about the uh, the age levels. They don't. They don't. They can't tell us how healthy people are who are signing up in the exchange, but they can tell us how old they are. And it turns out that people in their twenties, which is the key demographic group, that the, they're the prize. Um, only they're only getting about they're only about twenty five percent of uh, the people who are uh, signing up. At uh, healthcare.gov, they needed them to be about 40 percent. So they're 15 percentage points under target, and that's why they decided, to, for example, to delay the March 31st uh, deadline. That's four days from now. That was supposed to be when they close the window and say, "Okay, no more signups for this year." Actually, they would open it again, I believe, next uh, November. But no more for now. You you know, either you're in or you're out. And that the insurance companies love that because that it gives people an incentive to get in, and that will get more healthy people in, uh, normally speaking. But I think they are so far below target that they're desperate, and they're like, you know what? We just need warm bodies at this point. So they have delayed that uh, enrollment deadline effectively till mid-April. So basically, the idea is, that, you know, if you were trying to sign up, if you came in and you checked the little box on the website, pretty much saying, yeah, I'd like to do it. I just I haven't gotten through the process yet. Then you can finish. But guess what? There's a, another massive loophole that says after mid-April, you can call uh, our call center and just say you've had a major uh, life change and we'll let you in. And you, and you don't have to prove it. You can lie about that. So you can say, oh, I had a baby or I got a divorce uh, or things like that. They, they'll say, OK, great. You're in. But so, you don't have
0: to prove it to the government. That's unbelievable.
1: No, it's the honor system. Oh, God. Self-attestation, they call it. So, um, you know, getting back to the point about the individual mandate, that's what they're not going to give up. And really, April 1 is when, effectively, that mandate really does kick in because in any given year, you can go three months without coverage, and they won't uh, apply the mandate to you or the penalty to you. And obviously, the first three months of 2014 are now just about over. When they're done, then everybody in the country has to be insured, or they are liable to the mandate penalty.
0: I want to talk about another great things you guys uh, guys have done at FreedomWorks. Uh, You released something called Broken Promises that details all the the stuff Obama promised us about Obamacare, but of course did not come through, including most famously, if you like your plan, you can keep it. Um, (laughs) Let's just run through some of these we don't have time to run through all of the promises because we would be here all day long, but <laughs> but let's just run through a few of these. Um, uh, some of that I, I think are really key. Obviously, the if you like your plan, you can keep it. One, the I will not sign a plan that adds one dime to our deficits either now or in the future. Okay. That's that's clearly wrong, right, Dean? I mean, yeah. this has just no, been no. a disaster. They're adding
1: trillions of dimes to our deficit. Trillions. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's way over budget. Um, CBO the Congressional Budget Office never officially acknowledged that because they have to follow all the budget gimmicks that the Democrats rammed into the bill they have to basically pretend that the thing doesn't add to the deficit but we know just from all the president's unilateral actions to try to hold this rickety structure together that that this thing is costing taxpayers a bundle
0: the other one that I think is key is that he promised time and time again that this would uh, lower your premium costs. And in fact, there's a quote here from Kay Hagan you guys highlight, health reform will reduce family insurance premiums by uh, $1,570 to $2,240 for the same benefits. Um, That, of course, is is not true at all. We've seen huge premium spikes, and we'll probably see uh, more next year, right?
1: Yeah, overall, health insurance premiums are like $3,000 per family higher now than they were before Obama became president, and um, uh, the uh, the Obamacare has caused uh, insurance uh, premiums in the individual market to rise by 41% on average. I have to chuckle at this quote from Kay Hagan, you know, Senator from North Carolina, Uh, where she's so precise about how much it's going to reduce your family's premiums. You know, $1,570 to $2,240. It's like, wow, thanks, Professor Hagen.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, way to go on that math. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so this is also the four-year anniversary, it was just recently, of Obamacare's passage. Um, Let's just sum up in a a couple minutes here. What have we learned so far in these four years— and let's say in the next four years, what do you expect to, to see here?
1: Well, in four years, we've discovered that Obamacare has remained a top issue in Americans' minds, which is really quite remarkable. It really has never left you know, the top three on people's minds. And I think that's significant because uh, it is perfectly partisan. Republicans all claim to be against it. Democrats all claim to be for it, uh, virtually without exception. And so it is a political issue, uh, almost unprecedented in our history, and it's always been unpopular. A majority of the American people have always opposed it since the day it was passed, even to today. That number is growing, even among Democrats. And looking ahead to the next four years, I don't believe that Obamacare is going to just collapse one day, you know, just go poof. I think it's going to keep falling apart piece by piece. And I think um, the American people are going to be, you know, fed up with it as they see the flaws more and more in their own personal lives. And I think you will see a movement grow first among Democrats and then among some Republicans to fix Obamacare. And those of us who want to repeal it and start over will have to draw a line. The key tests will be in the 2014 election. Will the Republicans take over the Senate on the strength of the Obamacare issue? I think it's quite possible they will. They won a by-election in Florida recently. Uh, A weak Republican candidate running a really lame campaign managed to beat a Democrat who was favored on the strength of the Obamacare issue. And I think four four years from now, um, I think Obamacare will be gone, but the key moment will be when the insurance companies say, you know what, we want out. We're willing to give up on that individual mandate now in order to get some relief. And you're already hearing grumblings from them now, given the way the administration has been changing all the rules in the middle of the game. Even the insurance companies uh, are finding that irritating. So that's what I think is going to happen. I think four years from now, there's no Obamacare, but it's, it's not going to just happen overnight.
0: Okay, so what does that look like? What does a post-Obamacare era look like in health care?
1: Well, we're already starting to enter that era because a lot of folks, uh, particularly Republicans, are starting to introduce or draft legislation to replace Obamacare. And in most of those bills, Section 1 is full repeal of Obamacare. And then the rest of the bill is the things they would do to make health care cheaper, more affordable, more available. The Republicans have a general consensus. You and I have talked about this on past programs. Uh, They want to do things like let people buy insurance across state lines. Um, Let more people have health savings accounts so that they can purchase uh, with tax-advantaged money, uh, purchase health care. And a number of ideas like that make health insurance more portable between jobs and and, uh, help uh, people with medical conditions through so-called high-risk pools at the state level. Anyway, lots of ideas for fixing Obamacare. And... You've, actually, I've always said, it, when you see the left start attacking those ideas, that's when you know you've basically won, because now that means they're taking replacement ideas seriously. They've given up on the idea that they're going to win the whole ball of wax. Now they're playing defense, and that's already happening.
0: Dean Clancy, Vice President for Public Policy here at FreedomWorks. Dean, it's always great having you here. I appreciate it.
1: Always a pleasure.